Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snow White. Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This is Series 1, Episode 30, an introduction to wading jackets. This podcast is going to piggyback on the layering podcast. So if you haven't listened to that one, I would highly suggest you do so, especially now that we're in the middle of winter. It's a uh, mild winter, but you should still be prepared for layering. And I have to thank Mike Phillips for the suggestion on my new microphone it is the audio technica at2100 usb microphone my cheap previous one broke and i threw out onto twitter suggestions for an inexpensive yet good podcasting microphone and mike came through with a suggestion you can follow him at mc phillips at m-c-p-h-i-l-l-i-p-s so in this podcast, I want to talk about what is a wading jacket. It's a term used by anglers and the fly fishing industry for a jacket worn while fly fishing. It's typically worn while wading out in the river, and it's catered and built to suit the needs of the angler. And in this podcast, I'm going to talk about my background with wading jackets, form versus function, Shelled versus insulated, fishing companies versus outdoor companies, packable, layering underneath, and the anatomy. Anatomy being the bells and whistles and the features that I look for and I think you should look for in a wading jacket. They are going to add price points to them. The more bells and whistles as with everything we've talked about from fly rods to buying flies to waders, wading boots, etc., so the more bells and whistles, it's always going to add price. So wading jackets, for me, um, really started 
when I went steelhead fishing with Tom, the first time I went up was 2001, and it was a sunny, nice, warm day, Columbus Day weekend. Then 2002 came around, and it rained, and it was cold, and I was wearing a marmot jacket. It's a jacket I purchased in 1999 from REI, and it's a great coat. It's just not made for fishing. It's a parka. It's great for hiking, but I needed something a little more technical for the rain. And Orvis had just come out with a Tailwaters breathable silver label jacket. It had Velcro wrist cuffs and giant bellowing pockets on the front, a hood, big pocket in the back. It's pretty basic. So I started wearing that one in the rain when I'd be fishing around Big Honey Creek in Thurmont, Maryland, and going up fishing the snowfall in South Central Pennsylvania, and then up to the Salmon River for Steelhead. But I started finding out that this jacket, rain would come in through the hood when I was swinging flies all day with my right arm pointed up, water would drip down the sleeve. If I had to bend down and put my arm in the water for any reason, water got in the sleeve, and water was coming through the zippers. So this, to me, was not an ideal raincoat. The following year, steelhead fishing, 2003, it downpoured. It rained so hard that I couldn't see Tom maybe 30 feet away from me. It was in the upper 30s, low 40s, and we were freezing cold. We were swinging flies all day long, and water was running down my sleeves. My right arm was soaked. Water was coming into the neck of my jacket, through the hood, and I was pretty much just miserable. And I switched between my Cabela's XCR Gore-Tex jacket that I picked up, thought it was great, and I switched between the Orvis tailwaters. And Tom and I would have to go to the Ponderosa, which is the fine dining establishment right off 81 in Pulaski, for dinner every night because no one else was in town. No one was fishing this absolute deluge. So we could spread all of our gear out and dry them on the empty booths and then go to our campsite and and sleep in our wet tents. I came back from that trip and by then I was working at Hudson Trail Outfitters. It's a local Washington DC outdoor company and I picked up a immersion research kayaking jacket because I was done with water coming in the neck and coming in the zippers and coming in the sleeves. This jacket had a neoprene neck, it had no zippers, it was a pullover and it had latex wrists. The next fall, I took that fishing, and it was the most dry jacket I'd ever worn. I was able to pick up split shot, pick up fish out of the water, move rocks, pull snags out, and no water ever entered my arms. When it poured, nothing came down the neck. The one downfall was it was not easy to put on. It was like being birthed again, trying to fit through that narrow neoprene neck gasket, and pulling my arms through those rubber wrists was extremely painful. Not to mention it would pull the arm hair off of my wrists. And if I had any sort of facial hair, which usually I did for camping for a week in the woods, the neck would really rub against my neck hairs and it was quite uncomfortable. So then I wore that for another couple of seasons because I'd rather have a little bit of irritation around my neck. I could um, just shave or I could wear a neck gaiter. And that jacket was fine, except when it was really raining and I wanted a hood. That jacket had no hood. So skip ahead several years of wearing that jacket in the pouring rain and wearing the marmot jacket if I'm hiking in, wearing a Patagonia down jacket if I'm fishing in 
winter in Colorado. I did some research for a hooded kayaking jacket, and I came across the Kokatat jacket, which I'll talk about later. And I've settled on that as my go-to jacket to wear in foul weather. Uh, now I need to wear it on my boat because I keep getting trash bags wrapped around the prop. So I have to reach over and into the water. And yesterday, for some reason, I didn't wear that. I wore another jacket, and my arm got soaked at about 10 a.m. So for about four or five hours in the boat, my right arm was pretty wet. My second go-to jacket is the Patagonia paddling coat. It's a hybrid um, kayaking jacket and fly fishing jacket. And I'm convinced now that I've settled on the best um, wading jackets I can find. So let's talk about form versus function and what to look for in a wading jacket. Again, the term wading jacket is basically a jacket made for fly fishing. So do you want a jacket that you're going to wear in the rain? What about one to wear when it's snowing? You don't have to worry about really moisture coming in because it's frozen into your sleeves, into your zipper, into your neck. When it's windy, you want something that's going to protect you from the elements. Um, and fair weather jackets, you know, just like a light parka. So if it's raining, I'm going to be absolutely wearing the jacket with the neoprene neck and the latex wrists. If it's snowing, I'm probably going to wear any of my jackets, but most likely I'm going to wear the down jacket just for warmth. I may wear my marmot jacket. And there's so many different options here. It's like I could go on forever with different scenarios, but this is what I'm going to wear. Um, in Colorado, it's either going to be next week, month when I drive out there, either going to wear my down jacket or I'm going to wear the marmot jacket with a down vest and sweaters underneath. If it's windy, I'm going to probably just wear my Patagonia hybrid jacket, pouring rain, again, coca tap. Fair weather, I mean, it could be any of those. I might just go out with a, a windproof fleece. Snowboarding jackets, um, you know, they'll get you by, but the wrists, again, are not really made to keep water out. It's, again, made for powdered snow. You can have a generic parka, like something from L.L. Bean or Land's End. Any kind of generic jacket can actually do. And then there's specific fishing, fly fishing jackets, which I'm going to talk about now. Uh, so you've probably got an arsenal of ski jackets, parkas, downcoats. But if you want a specific jacket for fly fishing based on the following criteria, use these criteria to shop for yourself. So let's talk about shell versus insulated. Is it just a protective barrier against the elements? A shell, that's all it is. A Gore-Tex or breathable membrane that's going to protect you from wind, water, be it liquid form or frozen precipitation. Or, and, and those you've got to layer underneath. You've got to wear clothing underneath to keep you warm. The outside is just protecting you from the barrier. Or is it built for warmth? Are you going out with a jacket that's already insulated that's made to protect you from cold, wind, precipitation, be it liquid or frozen? Is the material Gore-Tex breathable? So your body heat that you create, we learned this in the Cell Respiration podcast, that when you eat and breathe, you make a byproduct, which is carbon dioxide, and the form of energy that you always lose is in the form of heat. So that body heat is going to... Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, 
advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Create moisture on your body as you sweat. So that sweat then has to be transferred from your skin to your base layer, hopefully, to your next layer, so on and so forth, until it goes to your Gore-Tex, and then that gaseous um, vapor can be transferred out into the air. Is it going to be a waxed jacket such as um, Filson or Barber, where it's a waxed membrane that does not allow you to breathe, so you can get pretty clammy underneath them? Or is it a down jacket that is heated based on that body heat created from the loss of energy from the food you consume. And you might not find just Gore-Tex. You might find, and that's just the specific brand. It's like Kleenex. You can have Target brand tissues. You can have Walmart brand tissues. Every outdoor company is going to use a different brand. Patagonia uses like uh, H2NO. Sims uses Gore-Tex. Orvis uses um, their own breathable. Um, And we'll get into different brand names in the next talking points but if it's a breathable membrane you can pretty much guarantee that your water vapor is going to escape it and that is what is going to keep you comfortable because that water that you sweat is not cooling off and bringing down your body temperature which can then eventually lead to hypothermia so shell versus insulated do you want something that's going to protect you and then you will wear clothing underneath or do you want something that's already going to have the built-in insulation things to think about so is it a fishing company versus an outdoor company? Did you buy your jacket from the Ski Chalet, from REI? Did you buy it from uh, Hudson Trail Outfitters? Or did you buy it from your local fly shop? Um, you know, here, here we've got Urban Angler, we've got Orvis. Those are the two fly shops. You're going to pay more for your brand names. There are less expensive knockout versions of breathable jackets. We had some... Pacific something wear that was a knockoff of the Patagonia SST jacket at Hudson Trail Outfitters. It was like $98 versus $225 for the Patagonia. You're definitely going to pay more for that brand name. But then again, brands like Patagonia are going to stand behind their product. You're going to get a warranty and customer service behind them, repairs. So think about you know the extra money you're going to pay for a Sims jacket, an Orvis jacket. You're getting them to back it. LL Bean is going to back everything that they sell versus just going to Marshall's or TJ Maxx and buying some generic looking raincoat off the shelves. So is it made by fishermen or another outdoor company? If you're buying a jacket that's made for snowboarders, it's not going to have the bells and whistles and features to keep you dry and protected when you're standing in a river in the pouring rain because it's not made for that. You want a jacket that's made by fishermen that have been outside in tropical downpours and hurricane force winds. You want the jacket made by the guy who's been steelheading in November when you're getting ice cold lake effect snows, rain and sleet coming in with wind on cloudy days where they don't see sun for a week or two at a time. You want the jacket that's worn by the hardcore angler that then uses their preferences, what they like, what they feel tested into that product. And if you can remember back in the day, Fly Fisherman magazine ran an ad And it said, rain delays are for baseball. And it was for Sims. And it had a person with a two-handed rod in the middle of a river. And it was pouring rain. Because remember, the fish are already wet. So if it's raining and snowing, those fish don't care. They're below the surface. While everyone else is at home 
watching the ball game, eating ho-hos and ding-dings, drinking beer on the couch, you can go out fly fishing and have that rivet yourself. If you've got the proper wading jacket, you're protected against those elements, you're going to be dry and comfortable. And that's basically the gist of the podcast. So again, is it catered for your fishing needs? Does it have those bells and whistles I'm going to talk about soon? Or is it catered for the average Joe who's going to be skiing on a mountain or just going grocery shopping? Is it made for that hardcore angler that's going to be out in those nasty weather or just the weekend warrior that's going to go out you know, a couple times a year in some inclement weather? Is it built for skiing, for fishing, hiking, hunting, kayaking? So... Ski jackets, you know, in the back of the day, they used to be all sorts of fluorescent colors. But skiing and snowboarding are built for style. They're going to have patterns. And my wife now wears all white ski pants and jackets. And I don't get it because if she goes out for a burger and gets ketchup on her, it's ruined. It's all white. She looks like a snow assassin, which who knows, maybe she is. Fishing jackets are usually going to be a dull olive drab color. Not too many textures or patterns. You're going to be kind of camouflaged. Hunting jackets, you're going to be completely camouflaged. My client on Saturday came out in full camouflage pants, boots, gloves, hat, and jacket. We were joking that we couldn't see him on the riverbank. Kayaking jackets are going to be brightly colored because you need to be seen out on the water. My two jackets over here on the right, my Patagonia and Kokatath, are mango and tangerine colored. And then those brands I was mentioning, you've got Loop, which is a Swedish brand. It's a hardcore angling jacket made for hardcore anglers. It's going to be $400. And those do come in different patterns. Patagonia, classic SST. The Kokatat, Kokatat's a kayaking company. Their jackets are not made for fly fishing, but through my trial and errors, I found that is the best jacket to wear during the worst weather situations. Sims, cannot go wrong with the Sims jacket. Reddington, Orvis. Barber. Barber makes what's called a, I think it's the spay coat. It's a shorty jacket, so you can go in with your waders, and your jacket's not going to get wet if it's over your waders. We had this client who used to come into Orvis all the time, and nothing against the guy. He was a tiny dude, but he was three-quarters legs and like one-quarter torso. This jacket actually fit him as his everyday jacket because it was so short. It was a miracle. He walked in and was like, Hallelujah, I found a jacket that finally fits me. You can also have Frog Togs, Mountain Hardware, North Face, L.L. Bean, um, Columbia. You know, there's different brands out there. Find the one that suits your budget and for your different needs as, you know, the different needs are going to be based on how much you're going out. Don't spend $600 on a jacket if you're going to go out twice a year. But if you are going to be going steelhead fishing numerous times, or you're going to be living somewhere in the tropics or going down to Florida. You need a jacket that's actually going to you know, protect you against those barriers. So definitely invest in something based on how much you're going to wear it. Next up is the term packable. It's a term used to tell a jacket that can pack down and fit inside your vest. It can fit inside its own pocket. It can be squirreled away in your gear bag. A jacket that you're going to wear out on a day where it's not necessarily raining, sleeting, snowing, or windy, but the weather could change, an afternoon thunderstorm, or you might be getting a cold front blowing in later that day. You're not sure what the weather's going to be like, so you can just go out in a fleece or a t-shirt, but then have a jacket as a backup inside your gear bag or, like I said, squirreled away somewhere just in case. Patagonia used to make a lightweight one. Orvis made a lightweight one. 
Um, there's a brand of jacket. I think it was called Red Ledge when I worked at Hudson Trail. That was like sixty bucks, and it rolled up to the size of a you know a can of soda. And the Patagonia jackets, the welded ones, would roll up the size of a tennis ball, and they only weigh like six or seven ounces. So they're not hardcore jackets to protect you against the elements in you know twenty four hours of fishing. But when you need that one little layer to protect you in case something happens, get the packable kind. It's made to pack down. Layering underneath is the next talking point. Um, I would suggest you get one jacket size larger. That way you can wear sweaters, fleece, or vests underneath. I'm a fan of wearing my Patagonia um, red fleece underneath, my... uh, North Face Nupsy Down Vest. I've got an Orvis Fleece Vest. So I've got all these different layering options. And the reason I like the vest is because it gives your arms free range of motion. It doesn't fill up your jackets with extra poof and space. It stays lighter but keeps your torso, your uh, internal organs, your chest nice and warm. If your jacket has two layers, one for zipping up and then an extra layer on the inside, that's for zipping a layer in. You want to look for items that have the large plastic teeth on them on the zipper, not the fine metal ones. So Orvis used to make them. Uh, Mountain Hardware, North Face. REI brand's going to sell them. And my Marmot jacket. I can take my down vest and zip it in so it's a one-piece jacket. I can take... What else do I have? I used to have this awesome blue fleece from Orvis, and I lent it to this girl I was dating, and I never saw her again. And she basically stole it from me. That was my favorite zip-in liner. I have a windproof fleece from Orvis that I can zip in, and that way my jacket is one piece instead of two separate ones. Barber jackets have a snap-in or zip-in furry liner or a quilted liner, and that's just a way for taking that shell and making it warmer for you to wear. Now, the pullover jackets usually run a little bit tighter, so I would suggest I think I wear a XL or 2XL in my kayaking paddle jackets. That way I can get that thick wool sweater or have extra space for a poofy down vest to keep a nice warm air pocket inside to keep me warm and toasty. Always wear extra layers. You can always take clothing off if you get warm, but if you go out without enough layers, you're screwed for the rest of the day. We went out yesterday and it was uh, like 50 degrees of the boat ramp, light wind, but when we got down to Blue Plains to wet our lines, the wind had picked up and it was cold and my fingertips still hurt. I was wearing fingertipless gloves, but uh, one of the guys on the boat didn't have any gloves. He just had a shell. Probably wasn't wearing a base layer. Um, it, it was pretty rough out there. So always wear extra layers. I keep extra clothes in my car for clients. I've got um, fleece, sweaters. Always have extra gloves, extra hats, just things to keep my clients warm. And since I don't have a armrest anymore, it broke off in my car. I have a stuff sack from an old sleeping bag that's full of a whole bunch of old fleece and sweaters. And I had that filled up between the driver's seat and passenger seat, and I can lean my elbow on that. But if someone gets cold, I can run to the car and grab those. I don't really keep too many extra layers in the boat because there's not a lot of space, but I always keep extra rain jackets. I have uh, Patagonia ones, Cabela's. Uh, I've got some Orvis jackets, just old jackets that I've purchased and kind of grew out of because they didn't have the features that I really looked for being I guess, anal retentive fishing, not to um, take the thunder out of the anal retentive fisherman from Saturday Night Live. 
You want to wear uh, wool or synthetics, preferably as your layers, because when those get wet, they still... Wool, ideally, is going to maintain its warmth and insulation. Fleece, not so much. Down is going to completely lose its insulation. Think about a woolly bugger when you throw it in the water. What happens to all those feathers? They collapse on each other. and They don't stay poofy. And in that poofiness is surface area, and that's where the hot air gets trapped to keep you warm. So if your down is wet, you're screwed. It's about it for layering underneath. Um, you know, wicking layers, stuff that's going to keep you dry, keep you warm. Listen to the layering podcast to get a more in-depth knowledge base on that. Let's talk about anatomy now. What are you looking for? The bells and whistles in a wading jacket. And I'm going to compare sort of all the jackets I have combined. Um, arm length, you're going to be moving your arms casting all day long. Make sure your jacket isn't too short that when you stretch your arm out, your wrist gets exposed and gets cold. If you've got long arms like me, I've got a, um, I think I wear a 35-inch dress shirt, so i got some long, gangly arms. We always attribute that to my brother dragging me around the house by my arms as a kid. So I need a jacket that has a, a long arm to them. You want articulations, the freedom of movement. You want to be able to cast. Are you throwing some big double hauls out there? Are you roll casting? Are you scooping up fish with a net? Are you having to scramble up a mountainside? You want to be able to move your arms freely and not really get hung up. You want to have you know nice um, stitching that's going to allow you to have that freedom of movement, some articulation in the stitching. My marmot jacket has a beverage holder inside. Ideally, that's for when you go out in sub-freezing temperatures and you have a water bottle and you keep it against your body to keep you warm. But I can put a beer can in there. We took a cab ride across New York City, and I had that thing full of um, like a 20-ounce beer can and a straw. So I was drinking beer the whole time, and the cab driver never knew. So that's ideal if you want to be able to drink beer while you're fishing. Um, I don't suggest it. But, hey, if you do want to drink beer and you don't have a beverage holder, go to my website and buy a beer can lanyard to wear your beer can around your neck while you fish. Continuing with the arms, you have cuffs. What are the cuffs made of that are going to keep you dry from wind and water? You're going to look at all the fishing catalogs and advertisements, and it's going to show a forearm submerged in a fish tank, and it's going to say our cuffs are the driest. You can have Velcro cuffs that just kind of pull over and tab. You can have Velcro on a latch with a little plastic ring to tighten. I ideally like the latex. And here's my jacket. You can hear the latex. This is about one inch across, and if I put my wrist through there, it's going to be 100% tight on my wrist, and nothing's going to get in or out of there. That is 100% watertight. I have no doubt that I can go in any situation and fish with my Coquitat and not get my arms wet. Especially if you're going to keep that arm elevated, if you're using a two-handed rod, if you're swinging flies all day, your arm is going to be elevated and water will run down. It's going to fill up and absorb into your sleeves and it's going to make your arm cold, which is going to lower your body temperature and may make you go back to the car to have to warm up or just ruin your fishing day and you're going to go back to your cabin or campsite. So you also want to keep your arms dry when you're submerging your arm. Are you landing a fish? Are you netting a fish? Did you snag a rock and you have to put your arm under? Did you drop your hemostats in the water? Whatever reason you've got to put your arm underwater, you want to make sure that water's not going to come up into your sleeve. 
Another bell and whistle, and I'm going alphabetical if you haven't figured that out, are D-rings. D-rings are little plastic rings on jackets, usually on the front, on the chest, and one on the back at the base of your neck, uh, right by your atlas and axis bones. Um, And those are for attaching anything from nets to hemostats to lanyards. Anything that you need to attach, me, uh, it could be just a, a zinger, it could clip on, it could be a carabiner, your camera, whatever you need to attach to keep it on your body so you don't drop it in the river, lake, stream, pond. That's what the D-rings are for. The more of them, it's going to be a more technical jacket. You're probably going to pay more in price for them. I don't think either of my go-to jackets have them. My marmot is loaded with D-rings. I've got D-rings on the inside of the sleeves. Um, the sleeve pockets, the zipper pockets for me to put my car keys on. So that's an, an added bonus. People who put those on jackets are people who fish and have to attach all sorts of tchotchkes to them. Let's talk about drawstrings. Drawstring around your neck is going to keep wind from coming in. You can pull it tight. Drawstring around your waist is going to keep a draft from coming in. My marmot jacket has what's called a powder guard, and that keeps snow from coming in. When you fall down in the snow, I guess skiing or snowboarding, I don't do either of those, but I imagine that's what it's for. If I had had those when I was a kid, it would have prevented my brother from stuffing my jackets full of snow, which he thought was hilarious being the older brother. He also used to take my snow boots and walk home with them and leave me like a mile from home with no snow boots. He thought that was funny. The uh, Kokatat has sort of this bib that goes around it that I can cinch and keep air and water from coming in. My immersion research jacket had a neoprene one that you could Velcro and tighten. And I was confident that if I dove into the water, the water was not going to get in between my waders and my jacket. So if for some reason you do find yourself completely submerged, that's an ideal way to prevent you from filling your waders, getting cold, sinking, drowning, getting hypothermia. I already mentioned the height. There's the deep water versus shallow water jackets. Shallow water jackets are going to basically go just above your hip bones, whereas a parka is going to be deeper. It's going to go down to over your thighs. So if you're standing on a riverbank and you're not wearing waders and you're wearing a parka and you're fishing from shore, parka is going to keep most of your legs dry. Shorty jacket is not. So um, I always prefer to pull my jacket over my waders. Uh, if it's raining, if it's not raining, I'll put my jacket inside my waders, pull my suspenders over them. And the only way I can give you an example of that is look at pictures on the website. Um, I've already got this uploaded, the text and pictures on the blog, so you can go check that out. Flyfishingconsultant.blogspot.com. You can see the different iterations of jackets I've worn in the past decade and whether they're tucked into my jacket or, sorry, tucked into my waders or worn over the waders. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. 
If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hood, that was the final um, straw that broke the camel's back for me with, with waiting jackets. That immersion research jacket was top notch. However, it didn't have that hood. So I did research and I found the Nimbus by Bomber Gear. And that was a phenomenal kayaking jacket, but I couldn't find one on the market. Then I found the Kokatat hooded jacket and by far the best jacket I've ever worn fishing in incoming weather. The hood is going to keep water from coming down your neck. It's going to um, keep the wind off of you, and it's just another added feature to keep you dry. Some jackets, you can zip off the hood. You can snap off the hood. Some of the older barber jackets we sold at Orvis had waxed uh, hoods that you could buy for like 30 bucks and add those on. But look for one that's already built in. Sometimes you can roll them up and tuck them underneath uh, the, the neck, but... Uh, most of them are just going to be, uh, you know, hanging around your neck. Pockets. Pockets are key for fly fishermen because we need to carry fly boxes. We need to carry tippets, leader material, all sorts of our gadgets we need for fly fishing. Because if it's pouring rain, the chances of you wearing a vest on the outside is pretty slim. So these pockets are going to be where you keep your gear. Ideally, it's going to be a big bellowed pocket. Uh, maybe six or eight inches squared on your chest with two large Velcro or zippering pockets to allow you to put fly boxes, cameras, sandwiches, beer. For me, it's sunflower seeds because I eat a lot of seeds when I'm fishing. Your keys, you want to make sure that they have drain holes in case for whatever reason um, it's raining when your the flip is up and water gets in, you want them to drain out the bottom. Some of the jackets for fly fishing have uh, little horizontal pockets behind those for warming up your hands the really nice one are going to be moleskin lined i've got that on my patagonia jacket it's got a, a fleece liner that i can put my hands in and rest them to keep them warm i can put those little hand warmer pouches in there and stay nice and toasty kayaking jacket doesn't have them mainly because you're gonna be wearing a life jacket over it and there's no space to put your hands in between that's a key feature when it's cold and nasty out like yesterday when i had to warm my hands up just put them in there um, just move your fingers around. One of the guys in the boat had those hand warmers. You keep them in there all day. Just put your fingers in. You can keep some split shot in there to grab at ease. Pack of gum, your smokes, whatever. The next item are reflectors. I haven't really seen any fly fishing specific jackets that have reflectors on them. The idea for me is that if I'm out on my boat, out of my kayak, someone comes by with a light, they're going to see me light up before they actually see my person fishing. They're going to see that reflector. Or if you're out on the Salmon River in New York, some heavily fished spot like that where people get up at 4 a.m. to claim a spot, if you're already hunched down on a rock and someone comes down with their headlamp and sees you, they're probably going to go somewhere else. So that kind of gives you you know, your spot to fish for the day if they're coming down and see you light up. My Patagonia jacket has them on the hood and sleeves. And the, the wrist on the Patagonia jacket, by the way, is a foldover that is three-quarters neoprene, and the rest is Gore-Tex. So it's good for keeping water out, but not as good as the Coca-Tat. Coca-Tat jacket has reflectors on the arms. It's got a huge band on the forearm, shoulder, and it's got a strip of reflector on the hood. 
And the fact that it's called uh, mango orange, yellow peach color just makes me look bizarre in the daytime. And people have said, oh, the color of your jacket, you're going to scare the fish away. But look at the picture of the steelhead I caught in uh, Ohio last week or the brown trout I caught two years ago or um, the carp I hooked into yesterday. That thing was a freaking monster. My jacket did not scare them away. And this time of year, if you're wearing orange, you're going to kind of blend in with all the dead stuff on the shore anyway. And if you need to be found out there in the cold rain, if someone has to come looking for you, would you rather be wearing mossy oak or a beige or green olive color jacket versus a brightly colored mango or red color jacket? That's going to be easy to find you. Something always can go wrong when you're out in the woods and you need to be found Preferably, a bright color is going to do better than camouflage. Rod holders are another item on your jacket. Don't see that too often, but it'll be a Velcro tab over your left uh, chest, your, your pec muscle, and then a little loop hanging out on the bottom right. And what you do is put the rod butt inside that loop on the bottom right, put the jacket across your, uh, sorry, the rod across your chest, Velcro it down, and then you can hold your rod without having to put it on your armpit or resting the reel on a rock. Another thing with reels is I fish with people that will freak out if their reel gets wet. You know, they complain about the drag, but you're fishing in the rain. Everything's already going to get wet. Rods and reels are made to be wet. So don't feel bad at submerging it. If you submerge it in salt water, granted, you're going to have to rinse it off so you don't rust. But I freaked, I was fishing with a guy once on the Savage River in Maryland, and uh, it started to thunderstorm. And he was so freaked out that his able reel was going to get wet and just be ruined. I was like, it's not a piece of paper mache. It's a fishing reel. It's made by people who fish in inclement weather. So, um, your rod and reel are made to get wet in these situations because they wouldn't be making wading jackets if they didn't want people to go out in the rain. Stitching versus welded. I touched on this earlier. Stitching is when you take two pieces of fabric and you have a sewing machine that goes over them and stitches them together. The tougher the nylon stitching, the better waterproofness it's going to have. However, stitching adds that extra folded over layer and adds weight to your jacket. Not only does it add weight to your jacket, but stitching is a place where wear and tear can happen and eventually water can seep through. So stitching in waders is sort of going out of style. Stitching in jackets is going out of style. Um, Orvis is known for their sonic seam waders because they're lighter. When you take two pieces of material, fold them together, and then use a radio frequency to actually melt them together, you prevent extra bulk, and you prevent that area between stitching that can come undone. Orvis has a proprietary um, sonic seam welding, which they sell to other companies. Reddington uses them. I first saw this in 2005 with a Patagonia jacket. That was the one that I mentioned that would pack up to the size of a tennis ball and weighed like five or six ounces. Anywhere you've got stitching is going to be an area where you're eventually going to get a leak. So be careful. They do make Aqua Seal and other um, waterproofing agents that you can use to patch up those areas if you do get a leak. So be careful. The higher uh, end brand, the most likely it's going to hold up better. Taped pockets are another item. I first saw that in about 2003 with the Arcteryx brand. And a tape pocket is nothing more than a zipper that has a lamination over it. So when you zip them up, the two pieces of laminate come together and create a waterproof pocket. 
Patagonia want to have. The left pocket has them. The Orvis um, Tailwaters jackets or Gale Force jackets all have them. Um, you know, they're now using it on bags. So the Orvis and Sims waiting bags are all going to have these tape seams on them. I wouldn't, you know, put my cell phone in there, but I would definitely put my car keys in there. Uh, maybe something that I want to keep dry, but I haven't really put these to the test of fully submerging them with an electronic. I do have that waterproof camera now after having it dropped in the you know, river three or four times and ruining them. They're going to add um, a little bit of weight, but it's the benefit of having a waterproof pocket that I think really adds to the bells and whistles on a jacket, and that's a nice high point. That's If you see that on gear, you know it's made by some hardcore person that isn't just the weekend warrior. That jacket's made for some pretty inclement weather. We already talked about weight. Do you want to have um, that heavy jacket? And, and it also depends on you know the material plus what you're going to put in it. If that's going to be your vest, don't load it up with beer cans and 10 fly boxes. Be a minimalist. Just take one fly box stuffed with flies, a couple spools of tippet and leader material, a bag of split shot. Just the bare minimum, because you don't want to be walking around all day with that heavy stuff. Ventilation pockets, you're going to find that more in a hiking, skiing, snowboarding jacket. It's a zipper that you can open up in the armpits or on the chest to let out some of that heat created by the food you ate. Cellular respiration, byproduct of energy. Energy is always, always, always lost in the form of heat. So you're going to get hot. If you're hiking into the stream and exuding a lot of energy, you're going to be sweating and releasing heat. So you can open up that zipper. Waiting jackets, you're just going to have to open up your front zipper, open up the hood, open up your cuffs. But my marmot jacket's got pit zips that I can open up. And my um, Orvis windproof fleece also has them. So if I'm wearing the marmot jacket as my shell and my layering system as that, I can open up both sets of armpits. And this is what I usually call the airport zippers because when you're wearing your jacket and you're running through the airport to catch your flight, you're always going to be burning up and sweating. So zip, unzip those in the airport, and that makes um, your running much easier and more comfortable so you don't get on the plane and, and stink and um, olfactorily uh, disturb the person next to you. So let out body heat. Uh, I think that's just about it. That's the V section. One more thing is um, the large bellow pocket on the back. I didn't mention that. I once got into a Dave Matthews concert at RFK Stadium with an entire bag of Cheetos in that back pocket. I've gotten into concerts with uh, six cans of beer because nobody is going to be looking on that back pocket. It's probably a foot and a half square, and it takes up the entire back, and it's a large pocket for you to put whatever you want in there. Again, don't put too much in there. Right above that pocket is where that D-ring is going to be. If it's on the back of your neck, like I mentioned, it's probably for your fishing net. That's about it for this edition of the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. The next one is going to be lost and found in 2011 fly fishing season. I'm going to send this over to Jason now for polishing up. Jason, thank you very much. And if you all um, notice some better sound quality, please thank MC Phillips. Please leave uh, a star rating on iTunes. Let me know how it's sounding. And I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six other podcasts I'm working on right now. Hopefully I can get those cranked out maybe one a week before I drive to Colorado. If I can get up to the Somerset show in a couple weeks, I'll try and do some podcasting from up there. Thank you very much for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, visit www.robsnowwhite.com.
www.thepodcastnetwork.com. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest. Me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.